to lead a faith-based organization, I think I got to be connected with God and hearing his voice, David, so I can be a positive impact to advance his kingdom. Today, by introduction, I want to start by thanking Justin for filling in for me on a couple episodes while I was down and out um, having uh, surgery and hard to talk. And I would apologize. Also, I don't, my voice hasn't totally come back to me yet, but it's back enough that I could spend time today interviewing John Kreps, who has a great story of someone who is persevered and you know, works hard. He doesn't complain about uh, the situation that he was uh, put into earlier in his life, um, but he has worked very hard at uh, at doing that and maintaining um, his current business, at uh, having a, a lawn business that helped uh, launch his career, that he was dedicated to an entrepreneurial spirit of setting up a um a Christian and Christ-centered business moving forward. Welcome to the Chapin Commute. Today we have a, uh, a friend of mine um, and a, I guess a business acquaintance too. We do business together. John Kreps from uh, Wilmer, Minnesota. He has a, runs a great organization up there, and uh, the, the purpose of his organization, he will, he will outline that to you, but uh, I consider it a company with a mission, and uh, it's, uh, his, his story, his life story, his business story is, uh, is very interesting, and I think you guys will all find it very uh, captivating. I like to let the uh, guest sort of introduce themselves. So what would you like to do by way of intro, John? I wasn't planning on this, David, but you said I have an, I have an interesting life story. So I'll just give a little background. I'm born and raised in Wilmer, went to community Christian school, kindergarten through sixth grade. That's all the farther the school went at that point in time. Went on to Wilmer Public Schools and graduated from Wilmer High School, went on to college and the Wilmer Community College for two years and then on to St. Cloud State before I came back to Wilmer to start my business in 1999 when I was 23 years old, fresh out of college. My childhood was unique because most every peer in my classroom had, had siblings. I was an only child. I was the only one that had a mom in a wheelchair. My mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And so as a seven or eight or nine or 10 year old or 11 or 12, I was picking my mom up off the floor. She'd maybe fallen trying to get from the wheelchair to the toilet or back. There'd be a knock on the wall at 8.30 at night or nine o'clock. I'd get up disgusted that I had to help my mom because I had a paper route to deliver. And uh, my dad wasn't around a whole lot. And we were a Christian family, went to the Evangelical Free Church in Wilmer. It recently hit me about uh, two months ago that while I was a believer in Jesus from age six until age 40, whatever, I wasn't really a follower of Jesus until about five years ago. And there's a difference to me between just a believer and a follower. A tough childhood growing up when your mom's in a wheelchair. My dad and mom separated when I was 13, got divorced shortly after that. I was the man of the house, you know, paying the bills, taking care of everything. 
Uh, my mom moved to a nursing home my senior year of high school, so I lived on my own. My dad had moved to South Dakota prior to that. Grew up angry and bitter at my dad and angry at my situation, and it drove me to build a business that the world kind of looked at with success because, hey, look at John Krebs. He survived that, thrived, came out of it, but I was a broken mess. When my wife left in 2018, that's when I said to the Lord, I said, God, if, if my wife is going to leave, then obviously I've not loved you the way you taught us to love. So Lord, I ask that you break me. And that's a dangerous prayer to pray for four months when you ask God to break you, um, because he will, he will break you. And uh, I didn't want to live anymore at the end of that brokenness. And I wanted to turn my life in, but I knew, I knew God's promises from Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for hope and for a future, not to harm you, but to prosper you. And, uh, I just really held true to that. Had some good men in my life that I was able to bounce stuff off of daily and God slowly rebuilt me. And I'm still a very broken individual, but I know that I'm saved by faith, not because of what I've done, but because of Jesus fantastic well what he did for us and so anyways there's a little bit of my story uh, unscripted today david well that is very uh generous of you to share it uh, to open up your heart and to uh, and, and to share your story i did not go to the same church as as you did my parents did though um i was and so i was there and remember that your, your mother was an inspiring person a faithful, inspiring person that everybody knew. It was a case of adversity like you laid out, but faithful part of that congregation. And I know that many people use her as an inspiration. Before we get into talking about your, your company and faith-based organization, uh, it's called the Chapin Commute. We try to keep it to the length of the typical commute. A lot of people listen to podcasts on their commute. So I got to ask you, how long is your commute? And what do you use to make your commute? Usually it's an 18-minute commute. And what I mean by that is just from my office to my house, it's about 18 minutes. I either have a pickup truck or a 2014 Porsche Cayenne, which is a really fun car to drive, but it's up to 170,000 miles on it. Or about 10 to 15 days a year, I ride my bicycle. And that's my favorite way to get to work. That's you know a nice 17-mile bike ride. Some days... My commute's a little longer because I bring, I have three kids. I'm divorced and remarried. But when you do marriage a second time, my wife lives 200 miles away from where I live because she's doing marriage a second time. So she's got her kids down in Rochester. I got my kids going to Community Christian in Wilmer. So some days I drive them to school before I come to work. Some days my 16-year-old son takes his sister to school, which is even better. But want to have time in the car with her too. So uh, there's my commute story, David. Well, I love your commute story, and here's why. It's going to make my brother feel guilty. I don't know. For the people who listen regularly to the Chapin commute, two-time guest Justin Chapin and bicycle ride into work is a struggle with him and a conviction. He used to always bike. I just to bring everybody up to speed. He used to bike do a commute. So then we asked him, he says he feels guilty he doesn't do that anymore. And then he came on a second time and he says now he really feels guilty about it. So Justin, who listens to all of them, is going. you are really cranking up the pressures. All righty. Well, that was cool. I sent you off the questions. And, you know, when I, as I talked to you about, you know, your company 
and being um, uh, faith-based, what does that conjure up in your mind? What, what do you think when you hear that? Well, to, when I hear that, I it tells me that the person leading the company obviously has a relationship with Jesus. I think how they how people do that is up to how they hear God's voice. And I heard God's voice pretty clearly years ago when we were when I was studying Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, because Jesus tells a story about the man that's going to go on a long journey, the master. And before he leaves, he entrusts to each of his three servants a talent, each according to their own ability. And after a long while, he comes back and asks for an account. What did you do with what I entrusted to you, he says. You know, and i that's what we all are going to stand before God at the end, David. You and I, Sarah, Justin, all of us, everyone listening, we're going to stand before God, and he's going to ask us, what do we do with, I think, the time, I think, the talents, I think, probably the treasure, and I think, the love. I think he's going to ask us, what did you do with those things I entrusted to you? And 20 years ago, we kind of captured this vision, I guess, 18, when I was going through a men's group on Money, Possessions, and Eternity, a, a book written by Randy Alcorn that kind of changed my mind on this is all God's money, not mine. And so I think it's easy to say, hey, we work for you, Mr. or Mrs. Client. You know, it's your money. You know, you you deserve to ask for an account. You've entrusted it to us. We've entrusted it to the Lord. But again, I believe that in 2005, David, and my wife, my first wife left in 2018. So it was at that point that I say, wait a minute, Lord, how come I'm not loving the way you want me to love? So today that means first and foremost, I got to have enough time with God on a daily basis in order to hear his voice, right? In, in the book of Luke, Jesus is talking about, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, right? I mean, he's using the shepherd analogy at that point in time as a, as the good shepherd. But I know our world kind of thinks it's crazy that we can hear God speak. And I don't hear an audible voice. It's not like, Moses meeting him at the burning bush, but I do believe you can hear God through his word, through creation, through just life events and circumstances and people around you that are believers. And so if I'm not spending time with God on a day-to-day -day basis, and if I'm just putting my work first, I'm not a good follower of Christ. So to me, when I hear someone that leads a faith-based organization Again, that means different things to different people, and I'm not the judge, but to me, it means, David, that I am trying to seek to hear my Father's voice. And Psalm 37, verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So to me, that's become kind of my wife and my theme verse, like, hey, Lord, I don't think it was really our design to want to live 200 miles apart being remarried. That's not exactly what you envision marriage to be. But wait a minute, if we're trying to raise these six kids between the two of us in a godly way, if we're trying to love on our clients, if we're trying to love on, you know, her first, you know, God first, my wife second, our kids third, our, our clients and our staff fourth and fifth. To me, that's leading a faith-based organization that when I'm wrong, and then I can go to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I need to be forgiven. I And then I mean, maybe need to go to one of my staff members because maybe I growled at them. I mean, I, to lead a faith-based organization, I think I got to be connected with God and hearing his voice, David, so I can be a positive impact to advance his kingdom. I always struggle with what to call your type of business. To me, what it is, is it's, you know, it's financial planning. You're helping people with that, maybe that's maybe that's the right the right term. So when I when I opened this topic up and said faith based business, people might have thought I was going to talk to someone who is running a youth for Christ or 
you know, a church or a Samaritan's purse or, you know, those kind of things are just outwardly in, in that realm. So how do you, is, is, do you think I'm, I'm being accurate when I, when I talk about faith-based business and then how do you, if that is accurate, how is it that you square with that? Why, how do you, why do you see yourself that way when you're not doing the kind of work of those organizations I talked about that are truly religious? Yeah, right. We're not a nonprofit with this, you know, mission to um, do God's work his way. But you know what? We are. I mean, because ultimately back to Matthew 25, if it's it's not my business, it's his business. Right. I mean, we're just here to serve the people that he puts in front of us. And, you know, for example, I mean, if we go back to the shepherd story, God has entrusted each of us a flock. David, you have a flock. You have you and Justin lead a group of individuals and the way you guys do your morning meetings and the way you lead your team and you know, we do the same thing. And so if, if that's our flock, if that's who we're entrusted with, our flock has grown over the years as people come to us, right? I mean, your brother was here working with me first. You came second as a referral, if you will. And and we look at that, sorry to get into the privacy of that, but we look at that as a standpoint of God has entrusted someone else to us. And so it we're just to care for them. And how do we do that? I mean, there, there's the there's the money side of it, right? There's the estate planning and the income tax planning and the, the stuff we do, the, the science of the business, if you will. But the artistry is if we're really walking alongside people and we're spirit led, and again, that's got to come back to the number one, I got to be connected to God to be spirit led. But if we have someone in the office and there's something going on in life, what a great opportunity to sit for them and pray right then, right? Last week we had, one of our staff members had a very challenging moment occur with a teenage child, like on the fly. We see this emotion in that staff member. And Todd, my fellow advisor in the firm here, we were just going over something. And I we I just sat down to go over this client case study. And also I said, hey, we got to go pray for so-and-so. And we both walk over, lay hands on him, take turns praying, invite the spirit in. You know, and we do that kind of stuff on a very frequent basis with clients, whether it's life events, right? There's a death, there's a disability, there's something that happened that we didn't know about. There's the uncertainty of an illness. And uh, we get to walk people through that. Sometimes we get to minister and introduce Jesus to them. To me, it's not a big deal. That's just what we're called to do, right? I mean, that is literally what we are called to do to advance his kingdom. So I would say you're accurate in leading the faith and what you were talking about, leading a faith-based organization. And that's how we do it, kind of how I just defined it. At, at Wilmer Electric, we, we like to think the same way about ourselves. I, I've always noticed that when you talk to somebody and you, you know, something happens. Yesterday I called, we have five people who are out on medical leave. So yesterday I sat down, I called these five people. And when you talk to them, and they're, they're, they're different places on their personal walk. And some of them are seekers. And when I say, you know, we're praying for you, people are praying for you. They always say thank you. They always appreciate that, that, that that's what's happening. And I've never had someone say stop it. So reassuring. Well, you are not old like me, but you, you are younger than me. because I wasn't able to go to the Christian school because it opened uh, when I would have been six. But we like to hear from the younger generation, Sarah as a question so we need to interject Sarah here my question is you said that you started the company when you're 23 years old and now you're leading 
organization in this way when that's kind of my age as well like if I were to start a business was that your first thought was like I want to lead this business in a spiritual way no not at all I mean I was 23 I just wanted to go make money I mean really I mean I and not to be self-seeking about it but that's the truth I mean I'm 23 I'm broken right I've come out of a broken home right my mom's in a wheelchair I'm sick of taking care of someone and to me, making money meant I would have freedom. And I'd had a mentor that stepped into my life when I was about 13 named Bob Gorris, when my dad left, who just walked alongside me. And Bob had been a life insurance agent. Now, I didn't want to sell life insurance, but at least it was a type of career that I saw some like a path in. And I was a finance major. So it just made sense. So no, Sarah, I just wanted to go make money. But I think, I think when you're in, like I, I was in my second year, and I hired my first employee who's still here today. And it was just the thought of, you know, I'm I'm getting busier. I could use someone to do some of the paperwork and some of the filing and maybe some phone calls. And you know, then you get a little busier yet. And then you you hire the, the third person and you know, she's still here today. And you know, that was in 2004. And so, no, Sarah, I don't think it starts to feel like an organization until years later. I think, I think in your twenties, you just want to, you might have a big vision and a big dream of what it's going to look like. And I have that, but in order to get to that, really, it's more of a, what do I need to do today to like, I made gross 11 grand my first year. And after my expenses, three grand. And I remember going, cause I had a lawn mowing business in college. I paid my way through college. So I had about 40 accounts I was taking care of and making about 15 grand a summer, probably taking home, I don't know, seven or eight. I remember getting out in my first year in 1999 saying, what the heck is wrong with me? I got a four-year degree in finance. I was making more money mowing lawns. What am I doing here? But I knew that I wanted to do this for a career. And I knew that someday there'd be a drought. And I didn't want to have a crew of you know, 12 people and four trailers going places. If I mean, I, you just, I don't know. You, so no, you don't, you don't know what it's going to look like. You just go do the work. It's like if, like when I lifted weights as a young man, I, of course, you have a dream what you want to look like, but you know you can't get there overnight. It takes days and weeks and months and years. And kind of like like if Justin wanted to go ride with me to my house and back, I don't know if he could keep up, for, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm conditioned to bike 18 miles per hour. That's just my pace, right? But you don't usually start at 18. So, you know, you got to, if we, if we got him an e-bike, he could probably keep up. He probably will accept this challenge. So yeah, you, you mentioned the lawn mowing business. I mean, you 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 went off to, to school. You didn't you didn't go to Harvard, get a finance degree, and go go off on your own. You, you paid your own way there. Um, right. And, I, and uh, you know, part of the the hard luck story, I guess, um, as you take it. You mentioned you know you did have a mentor in your life, Bob Boris, who, um, and you talk about a, a, a group of people um, that you sort of spun out of um, eighteen. 18 years ago, do you still continue to get together with folks that help you in, in that, in that way? Well, that, you know, that, that group of people changed of course over time, but yes, there is a group of like in my business, there's a group of us that meet twice a year. We have a coach, you know, so there's, there's some accountability there. And then, you know, more on the spiritual side, David, you know, just as you know, you have a group of people that are kind of your, your, your inner group of, of men, you can bounce things off of when, when life's getting tough. Right. And that's, I had that group of three that really were my closest people in 2018 when I was at my bottom that were 
checking in on me. You know, how are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm doing terrible, right? And uh, that intimacy to be able to say, you know what? I do not have this figured out. In fact, I, I'm, I'm helpless, right? And that's that's when Jesus shows up, right? When I think Matthew 5 verse 4 says, blessed are the brokenhearted for they will uh, inherit the kingdom. I, I'm, I think I'm wrong on that, but it's something to that standpoint, like when you're broken and you give up, right? That's when Jesus shows up, right? When he when you say, enough of me, Lord, I'm done. And so that's a good place to get to. It's, it's just not fun getting there. Can you, can you think of other businesses that you think have sort of mastered this concept or you know, other examples that you, may, that, that you look to and help guide you or... Well, I, not many I, I, that I can think about time. I have, you know, focus on the family is just a great organization that it seems like they're, you know, spirit led. I don't know the leadership as much as just the names of them, but you know, I, I love that entity. Um, I know there was a, a bank out of the Rogers or Elk river, Minnesota area about 20 years ago, there was a gentleman there that was just praying for a ton of people back in the day. And that, that's really struck me 15, 18 years ago. And that's, that's kind of when I started to pivot my brain to say, okay, Lord, if we're going to, so an example, in 2011, the, the stock market's blowing up, the federal government's worried about defaulting on debt. I mean, we, you know, this is again, since then, of course, but I remember this time period vividly and the stock market fell 20% in about three months. And we sent an email out to clients saying, Hey, fear not. And we used some truth from, from God's word. And it was basically a faith-based message that, you know, we don't, we, we know that it's scary what's going on in the media and stuff like that, but our faith is in something greater. And I just spoke God's truth in it. And we had two clients come right back and fire us. Say, if you're going to, you know, I put my trust in you. If you're going to trust that God stuff, you know, I don't want to work with you. It's like, okay, sorry. And so I think, you know, to kind of have that, that boldness that this is, this is the truth, right? This is what we're going to believe in and follow. I think, you know, when you have a back to the people, but when you have people around you that can speak that truth into you, or you can hear God's voice do that, that's what we're trying to do, right? Just trust what God's got planned here. My favorite story and about, and maybe I've shared this one before on the podcast, all of our stuff is really God's. God has entrusted us with certain things. Sometimes it's dollar bills, it's our house, it's our car, but all everything we have is, is really God. He's entrusted us to use it. For his glory and advance his kingdom. My favorite story by far on that is um, when we talk again about the church. Uh, and my dad, and, and you did go to the same church. One Sunday after church, we were going to, we got together with my parents. And my dad comes home and he's all charged up because he's just heard the greatest sermon. And so you start asking him questions about it. And he starts talking about everything's God's. <laughs> and we have to stop thinking of this as our stuff. And and he, he goes and, and recaps the thing. And so I then you, you get to him and says, Well, what 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 did, so what do you take away from that? And what's the practical thing? And my dad's comment is, why does he keep letting his RV that's in my garage break down so much? And it seems like an offhand story, but it was just like my dad saying to me, Yeah, everything is God's. What's the what's the deal here? What what is it that I'm really supposed to be doing? Even this RV. That at that point in his life, he wanted to drive off a bridge. That's the vivid. And every time I think about stuff that I've been entrusted to, I always think about my dad's RV that at that point in time um, had him. All right. Any, any parting words you would have for people that are listening on how, what they can do in this area? 
I think the most valuable thing we can do humbly is to seek God's voice. And when, you know, ask, seek, and knock, right? Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open. I mean, Jesus asks us. He teaches us to ask, right? And so I, I know for me that if I'm putting my life in priority, number one, I'm trying to spend time with him. So that might be last night just watching the sunset and just praising him and asking him to speak to me and um I think that's the number one thing we can do. Just try to seek our father's will for our life. Try to, you know, ask for him to speak to us, stay in the word, right? Be reading the Bible, listening to worship music and just shutting noise off around us at times, right? Just really being still and asking the spirit in, asking the Holy Spirit to show up. And he will, he will do that because he wants relationship with us, right? The prodigal father in the prodigal son story is watching and waiting for his son to come home. And as soon as the son repents and comes home, right, the father throws a party, right? It's a celebration. He just wants relationship with us. That's all he wants. That's all God wants with us is relationship. So we just have to, in return, shut the noise off, ask to hear his voice and spend time with him. That's the, that's the advice I would I'd want anyone. My kids, that's what I want for people in all of us to do. All right. Well, we thank you for your time. We, we're glad to have you. I will warn you, my brother, Justin, is more likely to show up on a future podcast than you. So he will get the last word, but you, you can know in your heart that you changed a man's life. Thank you very much, John. You're welcome, Dave. It's good to connect with you today. Sarah, thanks for hosting this. And I appreciate you both. Okay, well, that was good. John is an energetic guy. He has a great, um, you know, personal background of how it is. You, you persevere, you know, trust in the Lord and, you know, really spend time uh, trying to find out what the Lord's will is before you uh, have to act and move forward. Yeah, it was great to hear his story and um, how Coming at it uh, when he first started the business, being a 23-year-old, wanting to make money, but then that change of mindset um, that he wanted to leave, uh, lead that faith-based organization. All righty. Well, we appreciate John in all of his time, and I know that that uh, episode will be an inspiration to at least one person. Mm -hmm.